sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, live right here on the morning after on this Thursday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, all across the SportsGrid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. In full transparency, our boss, El Jefe, Greg Sussman, just came up to the studio. We got into a lively debate about those wild comments that Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Derek Carr because he's 25 and younger than Derek Carr is at 31 years old. I'm a little bit shook right now, but we'll get going here into hour number two. Tons still on the horizon for this second hour. A preview of Thursday Night Football live from Nashville up next with Nikki Laterulo, who will join in the show to tell us where the mentality is for Tennessee. The Titans on a five-game skid, sitting a ton of their starters, all their sights on the regular season finale. Tom Vecchio provides that prop perspective after that, and Chantel Chan ends out ends out the show today on this Thursday with some looks at the Sunday slate, two weeks remaining in the National Football League. A big night in college hoops all around the country. Conference play now after the Christmas break really picks up in intensity, including in the Big East. Two of the biggest brand names in the entirety of that conference, the number two team in the country, UConn and Villanova, facing off last night in Hartford, Connecticut. Now, Nova was a team that made it to the Final Four last year a struggle to start this year in the into every conference race and every final four number and in the national championship market as well let's look right now at those big east title odds updated and live on this thursday morning on the FanDuel sportsbook uconn is an odds on favorite minus 240 minus 185 entering last night before the victory at home over nova now minus 240 40. Villanova started off just two and four this year. They won five straight entering last night's game against UConn, but things are better on the horizon with Kyle Neptune at the helm in his first year. Also in the SEC, conference play opened up in a big way last night. A top 25 tilt in Starkville between Mississippi State and Alabama. The game was a virtual pick em. No, really. Bama was minus 118 on the money line. Mississippi State was minus 102. The Tide get the better of the Bulldogs to start things off here in SEC action. 78-67 for the number eight team in the country. The total, 140 and a half last night in Starkville. Let's take a look at those SEC title odds because there are six teams in the SEC ranked in the AP top 25 this week. Three within the top 10, including Tennessee, Alabama, and Arkansas at this moment. Some big games last night for Tennessee. They are the favorites right now to win the SEC as conference play opens up. They opened up their conference slate with a 63-59 victory on the road in Oxford, a tightly contested battle against Ole Miss. When you look at Arkansas last night, as I try to find the stat here, LSU wins outright. The Bayou Bengals at home in Baton Rouge. 60-57 outright as a four-and-a-half-point underdog. Both teams entered last night 11-1 straight up, just the second loss for the Hogs this season. A big, big victory 
for the Bayou Bengals. Hey, welcome quickly to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The second hour of the morning after live on TMA, Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. Quickly back to the SEC title odds, if you wouldn't mind, so we can orchestrate a point. The Volunteers, the favorites, plus 170. Alabama behind them by only 80 cents. The second best odds at plus 250. Kentucky now has the third best number at 5-1, to one, well behind Alabama and Tennessee. A disappointing start for Kentucky in SEC play last night. On the road in Columbia against Missouri, a slight 2.5-point favorite. The Tigers went outright, 89-75. Missouri now has back-to-back double-digit wins over Illinois and Kentucky. Mizzou is going to be ranked this upcoming week. Keep an eye on Missouri and Dennis Gates as they get going here into conference play with 2023 on the horizon. Speaking of Arkansas, by the way, an upset last night against LSU. The Razorbacks, though, from the football perspective, playing in one of the best bowl games you will ever see. The Liberty Bowl against Kansas, the Jayhawks' first bowl berth since 2008. They were down by 18, was KU, entering the fourth quarter. They come all the way back against Arkansas. We go to triple overtime, which was a two-point conversion shootout, and the Hogs emerge victorious 55-53, but Kansas does cover as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Also late-game drama in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. In the final seconds of the game, Oregon storms back for a victory, 28-27 against North Carolina. The extra point that sealed the victory for the Ducks banks off the upright, doinked, and in. Oregon wins outright by one. They do not cover as a 13-and-a-half-point favorite and the highest over-under of all of this bowl season that got all the way up to 75 and a hook last night in San Diego stays well, well under. In about, I don't know, an hour and a half from now, I'm going to leave this studio, head up to the Bronx, Yankee Stadium, the Pinstripe Bowl, to see my alma mater, the Syracuse Orange, take on Minnesota. The Golden Gophers, a 10-and-a-half-point favorite, the over-under 40 Three and a half. I want to say SU plus the points, but Minnesota really good on the ground. They run it more than 66% of their plays. A preview of Thursday Night Football up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com listed as doubtful for Thursday night against Dallas. What do you think the reasoning behind this decision from Mike Vrabel was for Tennessee entering week 17? Well, first of all, Ryan Tannehill is not like confirmed out for the season just yet. He hasn't been put on the IR, so he is trying to get back for the week 18 game. If not for week 18, then he if they do make it to the playoffs, he wants to be back for that. So they haven't put him on IR, which is a good sign. Um, I think for Coach Rabel, a lot of people aren't seeing if they're not following the team as closely that they don't they can't afford to lose anyone else due to injury, especially in a game that for the playoffs doesn't really mean anything. As much as right. the game does mean something in getting momentum going, they kind of need a win heading into Jacksonville just to get things going. They can't afford to lose anyone else. So I see why he is resting a lot of people, especially the people he is resting haven't been at 100%. They're all dealing with little injuries. So I understand that. It's just hard to see what the team is going to look like heading into Jacksonville, especially if it is Malik at quarterback. He hasn't had that much practice. There isn't as much chemistry in 
game like atmospheres he obviously is practicing with the ones but he hasn't started that many games so it's hard to see what they'll look like going into Jacksonville if they'll be rusty with all of them back together or if this is the best way to put their best foot forward so you could kind of see both sides but from a fan's perspective they want to see all their people out there tonight yeah absolutely so and entering week 17 for both Tennessee and Jacksonville their games don't really mean much the Jags a road favorite in Houston it comes down to week 18 next Sunday in Duval County for the AFC South Divisional Crown but Nikki as we focus on Thursday night football right here a 10 and a half point spread was the number earlier this week after the litany of people on the injury report for tonight the Tennessee Titans now a 12 and a half point home underdog. So what do you expect to see out of the Titans shorthanded against Dallas this evening? I think we'll see a lot more of Malik throwing the ball just because he most likely won't have Derek to hand the ball off to. And we saw in his first uh, one of his first starts, I think it was in Houston. Um, he just handed the ball to Derek the whole time. And then last week we saw him throw the ball a little bit more, but still relying on that run game. So I think for him, it'll be good. He'll have all his receivers out there. So they'll see Traylon Burke start to get going. Maybe Nick Westbrook-Akine, Robert Woods. Just see how his chemistry has grown with the receivers. It's just hard because the offensive line is so beat up. They don't have mostly any of their starters out there. They also just listed Nick petit out, and he's mm. been the guy that filled in for Taylor Luan. So it'll be interesting to see how Malik is able to handle the pressure and I think that we will see him if not pass the ball more run the ball more himself because he can run which makes him which is why I think they brought him onto this team because he has that dual threat but he hasn't been able to do much because the offensive line is so weak there's just so much pressure on him so I think we'll see him throw the ball a little bit more but I don't know how much offense we will see for the Titans because it's going to be hard for them against a full strength Dallas defense we're basically seeing a lot of the practice squad out there on both sides of the ball for the Titans tonight. A rushing yards prompt for Malik Willis is out. It's 40 and a half. No passing yards number, though, out for Malik Willis mm -hmm. at this moment. So let's focus there first, Nikki. You mentioned it. It's his show this evening. What do you want to see out of Malik Willis and now his fourth start of the year for the Titans? I want to see him throw the ball and complete some passes. I know we hear a lot of chatter about people saying like, oh, he can't throw the ball. He can't like he has the strength, but he's not accurate. He can't find any of his receivers. That's also just not his all his fault, because like I said, there's just so much pressure coming on to him. The wide receivers haven't been able to get open. But if he's not able to pass the ball as much, I want to see him run and just like show off what he can do. I know in the locker room this week, a lot of guys were saying that his leadership has really grown throughout this season because he's gotten way more snaps than I think anyone expected him to get. No one expected this to happen to Ryan Tannehill. And I know that before the last game, he got up and spoke to the team and tried to hype them up. And he basically said, it doesn't matter my age. Like I'm the quarterback of this team right now. Like we all respect each other. We have to win. So I think for him, he wants to just prove himself, but also show that we might not have Ryan back next week. Like I, I'm the quarterback of this team and I'm going to have to show what I can do here. Obviously next week, if Ryan isn't back, they'll have, most of their starters back, but tonight's a big, just put your best foot forward because going into Jacksonville, getting blown out tonight, I don't know what that does for the confidence, especially for him if he has to start that game next week. And it's a good point Nikki brought up as well. Ryan Tannehill not out officially for the remainder of this season, was not placed on IR. He is doing everything in his power to recover for that regular season finale against Jacksonville next Sunday. So, Nikki, the last time you were here previewing week 11 
Thursday night football. The Titans won that football game. It was their Mm -hmm. last win before this five-game skid. As you look at this five-game losing streak now for Tennessee, what has been the biggest issue in your estimation? I think it's been the offense. If you look, they haven't, in the five-game losing streak, they've only put up more than 20 points once. And I think they just can't score points. But then also, if you look at the defense, the defense hasn't looked like the Tennessee Titans defense we're used to seeing. There's a lot of just like missed opportunities for forcing turnovers. I know last week, Zach Cunningham had a ball hit him right in the chest. That could have been a pick. And that did lead to points on the other side of the ball, on the other side for um, the Texans. So I just think it's been, they're shooting themselves in the foot a lot. But then also, there's just so many injuries that you can't overlook the injuries because these aren't guys, a lot of them aren't guys that we expected to see starting this season, never mind playing at all. So um, I just think they got to get points on the board. They got to play cleaner and they just have to convert, especially when they have the opportunity to score. Like you can't settle for three points. They have to, they got to score quick and then just not let things get out of hand, especially in the fourth quarter. They haven't really been able to score in the fourth quarter at all. Averaging just above 15 points per game on this five-game skid. They are not favored to win tonight's football game. A 12-and-a-half-point underdog. Could it be a six-game losing streak entering Jacksonville next week? So, Nikki, as we look at the AFC South Divisional odds and all that is at stake for that regular season finale, it's a win, and you win the division, and you're in to the playoffs. The early look-ahead line has Jacksonville as a six-point home favorite for week number 18. Jacksonville beat Tennessee earlier this year, just about three weeks ago, but the Titans have dominated this AFC South rivalry. They have won nine of the last 11. So Tennessee needs to win next week in Jacksonville. If they are to pull off that feat, what will be the key to victory for the Titans? Well, I think they have to stay healthy, which is why they're resting guys this week. They can't afford to lose anyone else. Like I said, they have to get the offense going. Would be great if Ryan Tannehill could be back, but I do think they could win it without Ryan Tannehill. If you look at the game against Kansas City, they were this close to winning that game, and Malik Willis was the starter there. So there's no excuse as to why they can't win without Ryan. Um, Just Derrick Henry would have to get going. The defense would have to make tackles, not make – stupid mistakes same with the offense they're turning the ball over so much more than we're used to seeing Derrick Henry has fumbled the ball and I think the last three in a row so they just have to play clean football because I do think they are like the better team compared to Jacksonville Jacksonville is just hot at the right time like they're clicking at the right time Tennessee peaked very early which down the stretch is not what you want to be doing they were seven and three the last time we spoke so yeah. <laughs> I think they're just gonna have to get going on both sides of the ball and resting the guys this week is I think the best idea for Tennessee to put that best foot forward going into Jacksonville. When you were here on week 11, they won that football game. Like you mentioned against the Packers, they had won seven of their last eight Tennessee, hoping to get back to that form next week in Jacksonville. Nikki Laterulo from WSVM or SMV, excuse me in Nashville. Thank you so much (laughs) for your time. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thursday Night Football. Kicks off week 17 of this NFL regular season in Nashville tonight between the Titans and the Cowboys. Thank you for joining us here on this 
Thursday. Tom Vecchio from FanDuel is here as well for the prop perspective to try to find some angles, if possible, for TNF in Tennessee this evening. Tom, thank you for joining us. Hope you had a lovely holiday weekend. And as we just heard from Nikki Latarulo live right there in Nashville, we got all the perspectives entering tonight. Tennessee sitting a ton of players, guys, trying to rest up and get healthy for everything that matters next week, week 18, when regardless of what happened tonight, that's what it comes down to. All the marbles for the AFC South Divisional title in Jacksonville. But Tom, because of the lack of availability for Tennessee this evening, the spread is now 12 and a half in favor of the Dallas Cowboys. Knowing that Tennessee doesn't have a good majority of their roster, at least their starters, it seems this evening, Tom, in Nashville, how does it change your handicap for Thursday night football? Well, thanks for having me. And I think it changes it a lot. And this is obviously not to short sell it in any capacity, but I think most of the issues come from the offensive line and the, the lack of players that they have there, which is you know kind of what we saw last week. I think that's going to continue this week, especially with how good the Dallas defense can be. Uh, not surprisingly, I'm going to be on the under in this game. Um, it's obviously the right decision for the Titans to sit these players and just, you know, take this extended bye week, get healthy for next week. I have a lot of interest when it comes to the Dallas side of things, not so much when it comes to the Tennessee offense. We also don't have props out yet, Tom, from the rushing perspective for the Cowboys tandem in their backfield. No props on Zeke, no props on Tony Pollard. Now we know that Tennessee is going to be without a ton of starters. The Cowboys jockeying slightly for postseason positioning, still alive in the NFC East, but they would need to win their final two. And Philly would have to drop their final two games as well. So what do you think the motivation is for the Cowboys tonight? And how does that affect your view of this game as well? Well, the motivation for the Cowboys is still just to stay in form. This is not a spot where they can take two weeks off and go into a, a tough matchup in the first week of the playoffs. I still think they're going to be playing all their starters in full next week, depending on obviously how uh, different situations, different winners across the league for their seeding falls. That might be a different story, but I think there's going to be a straightforward week for them. Um, when it comes to those props that were listed up there, you know, my favorite would be Dalton Schultz over 38 and a half receiving yards. Yeah. Uh, the Titans have allowed 1,029 receiving yards specifically to tight ends this year. That's dead last in the league. So this is an absolutely elite matchup for Schultz. And I also have a lot of interest when it comes to Schultz anytime touchdown sitting up at plus 230. Uh, that's a big number for him. And he comes in with a 23.8 red zone target share, which is actually jumps up to 36%. If we look at the time specifically since Dak has been back. So it's absolutely an elite matchup. I do not expect all of the players to hit the over. The Titans do have a, a horrible secondary this year, and it's not going to be like Schultz, Gallup, Lamb, all these players hitting the over. It's only going to be like one or two of them because if they get up by you know, 14, 17 points, they're not going to be continuously pushing the ball. 73 and a half, the highest number for CeeDee Lamb, 38 and a half for Dalton Schultz, and 30 and a half for Michael Gallup, as you saw there. If all of them were to go over, most likely Dak Prescott also goes over his passing yards prop, 234 and a half right now, Tom Vecchio. But since his return, now nine games, Dak Prescott returning from that surgery on his right throwing thumb, he has thrown multiple interceptions in four of the nine games 11 in total so tom how do you evaluate the play of dak prescott with the postseason on the horizon for the cowboys 
Um, it's been good, and I, you know, they're obviously winning games. They're obviously, you know, into the playoffs. So it's it's situational where you know I like to separate the results from you know cherry picking a, a few interceptions here or there. Have the interceptions be, mm-hmm. been good? No, of course not. But he's still out there putting up plenty of yards and putting up touchdowns, which you know I certainly prefer from a, a player prop perspective. Um, I would probably have the most interest in the under on attempts if it's still sitting at 30 and a half. If it moved up to 31 and a half, I'd obviously still like that as well. Um, We have seen him be very efficient just because their offense is so good overall. So him going like, I don't know, like uh, like 21 of 30 tonight or 22 of 30 is like a realistic possibility with how bad this Titans secondary is tonight. That prop for passing attempts for Dak has dropped to 29 and a half. It will be interesting, Tom, to see how that number correlates to what we have once the rushing yards prop comes out for the Dallas Cowboys running backs when we get confirmation who is playing in this football game. Again, there will not be a prop for Derrick Henry. He is listed as doubtful for Thursday night. Tom, when you look at the Cowboys moving forward, knowing what Tony Pollard and Zeke have done all throughout this season, what do you think is the focus of the Cowboys' offensive game plan? Well, we know, at least from an analytical perspective and, and sharper people, uh, Pollard has been far more efficient compared to Zeke. And I think this is, especially moving into the postseason, the combined rushing plus receiving for Tony Pollard is probably going to be my mm-hmm. favorite prop when it comes to the Cowboys because he can be game script independent where he is factually a better receiving running back than Zeke. And if they fall behind, if Dak throws interceptions, if they there's any inconsistency in their offense and they fall behind, Pollard is going to be the guy for them in those passing game scripts combined with the fact that he has these explosive run plays that can break off for 30, 40, 50 rushing yards and put him really close to that combined over in a half of football, really. Yep, the Cowboys still alive for the NFC East at this moment, a 12 to one number. The Eagles still a minus 1700 favorite because Philly needs just one win in their final two games against the Saints or the Giants to wrap up the NFC East and the NFC's number one overall seed. The key now, Tom, for Dallas with a plus 450 number to win the NFC, the third best number in that market is better postseason success. A three and 16 playoff record in the last 24. Vecchio is a jack of all trades, not just for Thursday night football, but a big Thursday night slate in the NBA as well. And Tom, the best team in the association at this moment, the Boston Celtics put up their 25 and 10 record as a six point favorite at home tonight against the LA Clippers. A pretty big showdown inside TD Garden on this Thursday evening, Tom. When you have a big game, where do you try to find the value in the prop market? Well, when he, I would immediately look to the overall like offensive efficiency, defense efficiency of these two teams. Uh, I would also look to pace. Both of these teams are in the bottom half of the league when it comes to offense pace. They generally play slower. Uh, I think the over-under and the spread would indicate that we're in for kind of a, a postseason vibe for tonight. We're going to be seeing some a lot of back-and-forth action. I think rebounding props are specifically good tonight. But my favorite prop on the board would be Marcus Smart over 6.5 assists. It's sitting at minus 128, which isn't certainly my favorite, but this is a matchup that we can be exploiting because the Clippers, they're allowing the ninth most assists per game, the point guard sitting at over nine mm-hmm. per game. And Smart has been super effective as of late over this prop and four out of his last five. Brown and Tatum, specifically Brown, has been super hot as of late from the field. Um, and this back and forth nature, I think, should present plenty of possessions. There may not be an excessive amount, but the possessions will be very close. Um, and it's going to be Tatum kind of doing his thing and Brown doing his thing with Smart feeding them the ball. 
Jason Tatum scored 41 points in a Christmas Day showdown inside TD Garden against the Bucks. He backed that up with 38 earlier this week. Jalen Brown scored 29 on Christmas Day and then 39 as both the Jays have combined for 70 or more points in the last two for Boston. Speaking of putting up stats in general, Luka Doncic now returns to the floor in Dallas after what he did sensationally on Tuesday night. A historic night for both Luka and the Mavericks. 60 points, Tom Vecchio, as you well know. 21 rebounds, also, as you well know. And 10 assists, the first ever 60, 20, and 10 triple-double in the history of the NBA. The Mavericks now a 10-and-a-half-point favorite tonight in a Texas showdown against the Houston Rockets. How does Luka Doncic follow up on that historic performance well I don't I certainly don't expect 60 points again but oh, you know no. his triple double potential is always going to be there uh it's like uh you know a Ted Kumpo level at this point it's like what can't they do is more of the question um this is certainly a favorable matchup for them an easy matchup for them however you want to call it uh so another double double another triple double uh is certainly on the table for Luca tonight uh, it's also getting to the point with that that larger spread that there is a blowout potential where he could go yeah. out there realistically only put up 30. They kind of run away with that game, and he doesn't have to be out there in the fourth quarter pushing towards 60, uh, scoring however many points in the final 30 seconds to force game overtime. Like, this is a game that they should be winning. Tom, it's a really good point. You also echo this often on the show. When you look at guys like Luka or Giannis or Tatum or Nikola Jokic, when they're putting up such outstanding stats... It's not betting the under and trying to fade them. It's just, hey, if I'm not going to go to the over of Luka's points prop tonight of 33 and a half against the Houston Rockets, because that's the expectation, I'll just stay away. Sometimes no bet is as good as any best bet you will find. A jack of all trades, though. The NFL, Thursday night football. The NBA as well. And of course, on the ice, Tom Vecchio, what is your favorite play for the NHL this evening? That would be with Austin Matthews to score a goal from the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's sitting at minus 115. It's obviously not the best odds for a goal. Uh, he's obviously one of the elite goal scorers in the league. He's got two games without a goal. He's going up against the Arizona Coyotes, who are allowing the six most goals per 60 minutes in 5v5 situations, sitting at 2.83. We also have Austin Matthews returning to his home state of Arizona. He is arguably the mm. best American hockey player right now. Uh, this is spot because it's an easy matchup, because he's playing the first forward line, the first power play, all these things, all the metrics back it up. And of course, we like that little narrative of him back at home. We love that narrative. Home for the holidays for Austin Matthews in Arizona this evening. To think of two of the best goal scorers in all the NHL from Southern California and the desert, pretty good stuff there for the Americans in the National Hockey League. Tom Vecchio, as always, an incredible job here on the morning after today. A jack of all trades, the prop perspective from FanDuel with Tom. Tom, thank you so much, and have a very joyous New Year as well. Thanks for having me, and same to all you guys. I noticed no plays for the pinstripe bowl, though, Tom, on the card today. That's fine. I won't hold it against you. We preview the Week 17 Sunday slate up next on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just two weeks left in this National Football League regular season. Tons of playoff scenarios and implications 
on the horizon and on the line this weekend. It starts tonight on a Thursday in Nashville, continues with a very full and robust Sunday slate around the National Football League. Time to make a band, and we do that with Chantel Chan, live right here on the morning after on this Thursday. Chantel, as always, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas weekend and are looking forward to a very happy new year as well. Thanks so much for having me on, Ben. Always a pleasure to talk some football with you. And the first day of 2023, New Year's Day, is going to be a huge Sunday in the National Football League. And with all those playoff clinching scenarios around Chantel, it's pretty simple for the New York Giants. Win, and the Giants are in. They're a five-and-a-half-point home favorite at MetLife on Sunday afternoon against the Indianapolis Colts. So again, Chantel, pretty simple. Win and in. So a simple question to you. Will the Giants win? Yeah, I think they're definitely going to win after what we've seen from the Colts, the Giants. I know they took an L last week, but I think Daniel Jones is coming off a really good game where he threw for over 300 yards, and he looked pretty solid. And on top of that, Saquon Barkley, I think his last games has rushed for over 80 yards as well. And Daniel Jones' receivers have been doing their things as well. You know, you got Hodgins, Richie James, and you also got Darius Slayton. So I really think if the Giants can have that type of performance that they'll be able to cover uh will actually lay those five and a half points and i'm gonna roll with yeah. them because i just haven't liked what i've seen from the colts right they get a w against the raiders and everyone's talking about what jeff saturday's doing in his team and then they drop five in a row and they just haven't looked good and even this game people were like well you know what are they gonna look like are they gonna be able to get a w but i think they put up about like three points whatever yeah. it was like they looked absolutely horrible so I'm gonna roll with the Giants because I actually really like their defense as well that D-line has some nasty pieces on there so I'm gonna lay the points with the Giants and I think they get the victory Chantel the Colts have been booked as an underdog in five of the six games under the interim head coach in Jeff Saturday they are three and two against the spread they came nowhere close to covering against the Bolts on Monday night a three and a half point home dog they lost by three scores and if you want to count coughing away a 33-0 lead for the largest comeback in the history of the National Football League as a cover because they lost by three against Minnesota as a three-and-a-half-point underdog in overtime. Sure, I do not count it. So again, Chantel believes the Giants are going to win. At the very least, they're a five-and-a-half-point favorite. With that victory, the New York Giants into the postseason in the NFC here in 2022, which would leave then Chantel just one spot remaining in the wild card chase. The Cowboys have already clinched. The Giants with a victory clinched. So it's the seventh and final NFC playoff spot. Chantel, as you look at this group of four teams battling it out, the Lions, Packers, Seahawks, and Commanders, who takes the final wild card spot in the NFC? I think the Seahawks have a really good chance this weekend uh, against the Jets because they are playing at home. So that's the team I'd probably put my money on. But at the same time, you know, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a race for that. So it makes things to be more interesting. But I like the Seahawks there for sure. Right now, Seattle, 7-8. and eight. New York, also 7-8. and eight. The Jets and the Hawks, both one game below 500. They face off on Sunday in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle. So Chantel will go right there because you transitioned us into that conversation. Currently, the Seahawks, a short one-and-a-half-point home underdog. Mike White has been medically cleared. He is back as the starter for the New York Jets. Both teams trying to keep their playoff hopes alive entering the regular season Finale. So, Chantel, with all of those stakes on the line for Sunday in Seattle, 
How does it affect your handicap for this football game? Well, this one's really interesting because both these teams have been struggling. I think they both lost five out of their last six. So really, this one could really be a toss-up. As for Seattle, I think they've really hit a downward spiral as well. Geno Smith coming off a game where you could probably say that it wasn't his best game of the season. But at the same time, you know, this is home field advantage for the Seahawks. And it gets really loud there. The Jets, they have a really good defense. And that's the one thing I want to know what, you know, DK Metcalf is going to be able to do in this game. Geno Smith, they all have to have big games the Jets they are going to have Mike White back which is really good for them because you know we're not going to be able to see Zach Wilson and they had Streveler in so it's really just been a door that quarterbacks are coming through for the Jets so I think the Seahawks because they're playing at home and the fact that you know Geno Smith didn't have the best game I think he's going to have a lot to prove because at one point were we not talking about Geno Smith being one of the front runners to be MVP and I still think, you know, he wants to have a big game at home. This is for the Seahawks to get in. I don't think anyone thought at the beginning of the year they would be there. But I still think this is going to be a really good game. I'm going to take the Seahawks to win this one because it is at home. And at the same time, even if Mike White is going to be the starter for this game, I think he's going to have a lot of pressure on him on the road. And I'm going to take the Seahawks for this one, even though the Jets defense is probably going to sack Gino a few times because that O-line did yeah. not look good last week. Uh, that Jets D-line is nasty, but I'm going to take the Seahawks here for sure. The Seahawks have dropped three straight, five of their last six, but still in contention for the final NFC wildcard spot, a plus 290 number, as we showed you to make the NFC playoffs at the moment. We keep our focus on the NFC. Somehow, someway, Chantel, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers still very much in the hunt for that third and final NFC wildcard position. The Packers have won three straight. They're a three-point home favorite in Lambeau on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. Chantel, as you look at that three-point spread in favor of the Packers, not the 12-win Minnesota Vikings, what does the spread say to you about where both of these teams are entering the second-to-last week in the NFL? Well, I think that Vegas is saying that it's at Lambeau. It's going to be a cold weather game. And the Packers have put together three wins. Now, we have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt because I believe they beat the Rams and they beat the Dolphins, who, of course, are a different team when Tua isn't healthy. And they beat the Bears. So saying those three teams, yes, the Packers should have won. At the same time, this is a Vikings team that is still playing for a lot because if Jalen Hurts doesn't play, then the Vikings still have a chance to have that number one seed in the NFC. So they still have a lot to play for. So the fact right. that the Packers are favored, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that they're playing at home because there's this crazy stat. I think it was like 16-0 and 0 in December which is crazy for the Packers. That is a yeah. wild stat. But when I take a look at this game, the Vikings have just been a better team all season long. And that is just fact. I know the Packers have put together um, some wins as of late, but at the same time, I think their pass defense is sus. Tyreek Hill had quite the game this week. They're going to have to cover a guy like Justin Jefferson, who in the first game of the year went off on them. He bodied them. He had 184 yards, two touchdowns. I don't think they're going to be able to cover a guy like that. Also, the Packers give up about five yards per carry to running back. So I think a guy like Dalvin Cook is going to have a big game. I'm going to take the Vikings to cover this one. The only thing that I will say is I do like the over on pass yards for Aaron Rodgers in this one, because the one thing that the Packers have is Aaron Rodgers. And although they've been a run first team this this season you know if you give Aaron Rodgers a little bit of extra motivation that he might ball out but I do like the Vikings yeah. to cover this game 
Minnesota, 11 of their 12 wins this year, decided by just a single score. The only one that wasn't a big victory week number one, 23-7 at home in the Twin Cities against these Green Bay Packers. Chantel, I think you brought up a really good point for that game as well. I expect that line to move one way or the other based on what happens in Philadelphia earlier on the Sunday slate. The Packers and the Vikings kick off around 4.30 p.m. Eastern time in Green Bay, Wisconsin. One of the earlier games of the day, the Eagles, a five-and-a-half-point favorite currently against the New Orleans Saints. If Philly just wins outright, which, of course, they are heavily favored to do, they wrap up the NFC's number one overall seed. What would the motivation still be for Minnesota? Would that move the line even more in favor of the Packers, who need to keep winning if they want to get to the playoffs in 2022? You also brought up the stat. Matt LaFleur now in his four years in Green Bay, perfect, unbeaten, straight up in December. That is a pretty bonkers stat line right there. All right, Chantel, as we continue to look around the NFC, the Packers a plus 186 price to make the postseason. The second best odds out of those four teams in the wild card chase, the best number, the Washington Commanders, plus 154 for Washington to be that seventh in final NFC wild card spot or the NFC playoff spot. They currently occupy that position. Carson Wentz will now get the start once again for Washington at home on Sunday, hosting the Cleveland Browns. Chantel, I'll ask a pretty simple question yet again. Do you have faith in Carson Wentz as the starter once more in Washington? I'm going to keep it real with you. I have faith in the Washington defense. I don't really have it in Carson Wentz because I thought – you know, Heineke looked pretty decent until, of course, I think he had a fumble and an interception, and they were like, okay, it's a wrap. We're going to put Carson Wentz in. But that was against a 49ers team that you could argue is the favorite in the NFC. I think a lot of people could argue that. I think if they had, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, we'd be talking a lot about the 49ers. But as for Washington, you know, despite the fact whoever does play for them at the QB1 position, and it looks like it's going to be Carson Wentz, this defense is going to win them this game. Right. And you look yeah. at the Browns, they've been, you know, suspect when it comes to their pass defense. They've been suspect when it comes to their run defense. And I think that's where the commanders are going to have a big day. A guy like Brian Robinson, I know he didn't have those numbers against the 49ers, but at the same time, this is a guy that was averaging like 4.5 yards per carry before then. And when you look at, you know, Washington's receivers and Dotson and McLaurin, they'll have big games. And I just don't think we're going to see like a crazy game from Deshaun Watson because he's still, you know, trying to get accustomed and everything like that to the season because, yeah. you know, there was a long stretch where he didn't play. So I'm going to roll with Washington. I don't think it's going to come down to, you know, Carson Wentz having this massive game. I like the under in this game, and I think Washington's defense is going to be the big story. It's a really good look because it is hard to run on San Francisco. They're the best rushing defense in the National Football League, among many other categories. They only allow 75 yards per game. But you can run on the Browns. So maybe it's not about Carson Wentz. It's about Brian Robinson Jr. and the commander's defense getting back to where they were earlier in this year. Com the commanders are on a three-game streak now where they haven't won a game because they did tie against the Giants in the defense, allowing about 25.7 points per game. Back to the AFC, Chantel. We talked about the Jets in Seattle. They're a plus 390 price is New York to reach the AFC postseason. The Dolphins hold on to the seventh and final AFC postseason spot at this current point, but now Tua Tungabailoa is not there for Miami. Teddy Bridgewater slated to get the start on Sunday in Foxborough. The Dolphins still favored to be a playoff team at minus 210. 
Chantel, will Miami be a postseason team this year in 2022? It's tough to say because that playoff race is it's so tight and the fact that they're going to be playing the Patriots and they're going to be on the road. It's going to be cold. I think the Dolphins will make the playoffs, but I think this game is the most important game of the season that they're going to be playing, right? Because they're a different team without Tua Tagovailoa. And in this game, Mac Jones coming off a game where he threw for over 200 yards, had two touchdowns. And the thing about Miami, they have a really good rush defense, but their pass defense isn't the best. So I think we're going to try to see Mac Jones try to sling it and get to his receivers. And of course, Teddy Bridgewater, I think his best game of the year, he threw for over 300 yards. But this Patriots defense is really good. We've seen what they can do. So I like the Patriots to cover in this game, um, but I do believe that the Dolphins need the win, and I think they'll be able to get it. The Pats now a three-point favorite. Miami ends the year against New England and then against New York. So that AFC wild card spot very much in the balance. Chantel Chan, as always, we thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful Thursday and a very happy new year to you once again. We round out the show on the other side of the break, live right here on The Morning App. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here live on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM all across the SpizGrid network as well. That's SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us live right here on this Thursday. I'm going to make this pretty quick. I got to get out of here in just a few minutes. I'm heading up to the Bronx Yankee Stadium in the 2022 Bad Boy Mowers pinstripe bowl featuring my alma mater syracuse taking on a big 10 team which is very kindred to my heart of hearts in minnesota i wanted to hop on here before we said farewell and said goodbye and give you a best bet about syracuse money line or syracuse plus the points the orange a 10 and a half point underdog in the pinstripe bowl their third ever appearance by the way for su in the pinstripe bowl a record setting amount the most all time in pinstripe bowl history not a good matchup for Syracuse. Minnesota runs the football at a very high clip and very efficiently. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, let's go to Thursday Night Football. It's time for Bye Bye Bye. Hard to handicap, really, when you're not sure who's going to be out there entirely for Tennessee or what the offensive game plan is is going to be for the Dallas Cowboys. No rushing yards props listed for either Ezekiel Elliott or Tony Pollard. Does that mean the focus is going to be through the air? The Titans not a good pass defense all season long. So if I was going to look at anything, it would be C.D. Lamb continuing this tear that he has been on well over the century mark in each of the last two for Dallas, 120 yards against the Eagles on Christmas Eve with two touchdowns. 126 the week before against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So over 73 and a half, a number he has gone over in three of the last five. And when he does go over, he has 100 yards. Maybe some plus money there. If you're looking for something in the pinstripe bowl like me, Trey Potts, the backup running back for the Golden Gophers to find the end zone. It's a plus 200 number. That does it for us on this Thursday Live on the morning after on SportsGrid. We'll be back on a football Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow.